grand fanfare welcome to our podcast, Keeping Up With The Windsors, dedicated to the royal family. Each episode will be crowned to the rafters with opinions, news and commentary on the comings and goings of the family of Windsor. With your hosts and royal fangirls, Rachel Andrews and Michelle Thole. So grab yourself a cuppa, straighten up your tiara, shine your knighthood, round up your corgis and and let's let's keep up with with the Windsors. Hello and welcome to Keeping Up the Windsors with me, Michelle. And I'm Rachel. Hello, everyone. So how's your week been, Rach? What's been happening? Yeah, work's been busy, but I'm so happy because I'm off on holiday next week. I can't wait to have some time off. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yes. What are you doing? Where are you going? How happy are you on a scale of one to ten? I'm going to the seaside, which I haven't been to the seaside for years. Amazing. Um, yeah, so that will be a bit different. I um, usually go on holiday abroad somewhere, but because of COVID restrictions, decided to go on a little staycay in the UK. Guess who else is on a staycay this week? Who? The Duke and Duchess of Cambridge. They're on their staycay in the Isle of Scilly. They're at Tresco this week. So you're in good company. Well, if it's good enough for the Cambridges, it's good enough for me. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So you have to buy either some fudge or some rock whilst you're at the seaside. <laughs> <laughs> any of those you're gonna buy or like a bucket and spade that's another one isn't it you have to come back with yeah I mean the weather's not supposed to be too healthy so I don't know if we'll make it actually to the beach I mean it's got to be done even if it's raining I'll have to go won't I it's a British thing isn't it regardless if it's raining get on that get on the beach <laughs> make the best of it <laughs> Oh, my week has been completely filled with work and stress but I actually found And maybe, Rach, you've watched this program for years, but I found a program on the BBC this week that I was super, super excited about. And it's called Fake or Fortune. Have you ever seen this program? Yes, yeah. It's actually really interesting. (laughs) Give us the download, Michelle, what it's about. Okay, so it is basic premise. Fake or Fortune is with the presenters Fiona Bruce and Philip Mould. People come to them with supposed art pieces. It could be paintings, sculptures, that type of thing. And they decide, well, sorry, they go through all these scientific experiments to see whether this specific piece of art is, for instance, a Rembrandt versus a fake. So in the process of that, you go on like a proper emotional roller coaster with these people and their art pieces. So I mean, if you're ever going to watch Fake or Fortune, some episodes are really, you know, done and dusted, you know, at the end and some you just they just stay with you. So, yeah, it's it's kind of like um, lit a fire within me. And I've been watching I think I'm on like the fifth episode now. So, um, yeah, been watching Fake or Fortune this week. Interesting. How are you doing, lovely listener? Are you having a great summer so far? And also, thank you so much for being here. It's been wonderful. Guess what? We reached 3,000 downloads. Woo! Can't believe it. That's amazing, isn't it? Yeah, we've actually sailed past 3,000 downloads and it's been an absolute pleasure. But also the fact that you are here listening means so much to us. So thank you so much for that. What we're going to do this episode is we're going to do a quick uh, royal roundup of what's been happening. And then we're going to answer the royal community questions, which have been coming in thick and fast over on the Instagram, haven't they, Rach? Yeah, so we've got some good ones. So we're going to answer a couple today and then we're going to save um, some more for future episodes. Yes, definitely. So why don't we get on with the Royal Rounder. (laughs) 
So we start in this week with the news that 19-year-old Edward Robert from Nottingham has won the Queen's Platinum Jubilee Emblem Design Competition. So it's made up of one continuous platinum line symbolising the Queen's reign. The purple background represents the robe of a state worn by the Queen on her coronation. And he even used the same font from the Order of Service from the coronation itself. What was your first thoughts when you saw the emblem design, Rach? I've got to admit, when I first saw it, I was like, oh, I thought it was going to be a bit more on a, I don't know, a grander scale. Yeah. I don't know what I was expecting. Um, It's great for 19-year-old Edward because I was watching an interview with him and he said that that's what he wants to do with his career. Like he wants to go into design, he wants to go into art and what better platform for him to be on than this? I mean, this image is going to be broadcast everywhere. It's going to be on all the souvenirs, all the tack, you know, we've spoken about before. All the tack. (laughs) We can't wait to buy the tack. (laughs) We can't wait to have a little flag when we're at the Jubilee. Wee! Like waving it. Yay! Hello, Your Majesty. You probably won't even know we're here, but we know you're here. Yeah. <laughs> My th- first thoughts was, um, I don't get it. And then I read the description. I loved all the symbolism. I loved how much he researched and combined all those elements together and it makes up a crown which is lovely and then there's like a little squiggly line at the top and I thought what is that or why is that included and then when you look a bit further back that makes up a seven and the crown there's a zero that makes up 70 so I was like wow that's just brilliant so I think had I not had the background of what each thing represents I would have thought it was a it's okay but now I'm like that is genius and I think that's what art is isn't it you have a first impression of it but then when when you learn about why the artists have done certain things it becomes and takes on a life of its own so I love it actually um it was founders day at the royal hospital of chelsea it's a residency community and it also offers care to uk veterans who face spending their elderly years alone and the duke and duchess of gloucester attended and they signed the official guest book and inspected the pensioners in their scarlet coats and this is something that is very um, synonymous with the royal family and visiting the royal hospital of chelsea so it was lovely to see the duke and duchess of gloucester out this week doing that engagement we had two royal birthdays this week. Firstly, Meghan, the Duchess of Sussex, turned 40. And for the occasion, she released a video with the actress Melissa McCarthy on the newly designed Archwell website to announce the 40 by 40 initiative, which encourages giving 40 minutes of your time to mentorships to help women returning to work after the pandemic. Yeah. Now, Michelle, what did you what did you think of it? We had a little chat before coming on the podcast about this, didn't we? Oh goodness me. Okay, first of all, <laughs> we see Harry in the background doing a cameo, juggling some fruit or something or other <laughs> in the background. There's this most beautiful dog having the best life you can ever have for a dog on on like a dog bed in front of the like fake fire. Um, it's this beautiful very contemporary LA home in a neutral color palette. And then you've got the gorgeous Megan looking fab on her birthday. However, the one thing I thought was with all that money you've got, why can't you get yourself a laptop stand? (laughs) (laughs) She had the, her laptop piled upon the bench books and she had about 10 bench books and then the laptop on it. I was thinking, um, okay. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It was just, um, and I, I, I'm going to sound really horrible now, but I said to you before, didn't I? 
you know, Melissa McCarthy. Come on, like these people would not know who Meghan Markle was if she was not married to Prince Harry. It just wouldn't happen. It's kind of like, oh, now I'm the Duchess of Sussex. I've got all these celebrity friends. Like, I understand she was an actress before. I know she was in Suits. But like I said to you, I was like, Suits wasn't that popular, surely, was it? It wasn't like an Emmy Award winning show where it was, you know, this massive thing. Mm. I don't know. It's just, it's very Hollywood. And I'm, I just can't get on board with it. I'm really sorry, listener, if you're a fan of the Duke and Duchess of Sussex. I just, I just can't get on board with it right now. Well, I think what was good about the initiative of 40 times 40, I can't remember how they would actually say it, 40 by 40, I don't know. So the initiative is actually very similar to the initiative that's given for Nelson Mandela's birthday. So on the 18th of July every year, um, South Africans are called upon to spend 67 minutes working for the good of others. And the reason um, 67 minutes is so um, symbolic is because that is the amount of years that Nelson Mandela spent fighting for social justice. I assume they might have looked at that initiative and thought, how can I use that to um create mentorship within women so i i really like this initiative however i think it would have been a great initiative on its own i i, I just I, I got a feel like why does everyone have to do stuff for their birthday like why does it have to be like a, a big thing just turn 40 go on holiday and just fine <laughs> allow the initiative to be its own thing is what i kind of want to say because it's a wonderful initiative. But didn't you think the video, why did it need to have Melissa McCarthy? And then why was she like, dread? why did she go and get changed into like this fancy outfit with like a cup of tea and, a, you know, a, a fascinator on? It was kind of like she was mocking hmm. like the status that she's the Duchess. Yeah. I was just kind of like, hmm. I'm not feeling it. Yeah, it, I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I I wasn't a massive fan of the video. It would have just been nice to have just Megan talking about it. I don't think it needed Harry juggling and it didn't need Melissa McCarthy. But then also I think she is asking 40 of her, um, What what's this say? Um, I have asked 40 friends, activists, athletes, artists and world leaders to help kick off a global effort by contributing 40 minutes of mentorship to support women re-entering the workforce, which is from the Archwell website. Mm. So I like the initiative. I just don't think it should have been connected to Meghan's birthday. And the second birthday this week is Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth, the Queen Mother. She was born in 1900, and we had a lovely post about the Queen Mother on the Clarence House Instagram. And what's special about this is, I think everyone knows that Charles had a really you know, um, warm and loving relationship with his grandmother. And it's been said that he prized that over the relationship with his own mother because it's been reported that it, it wasn't a very close bond because when he was very young, famously, the Queen and Prince Philip had to do an overseas tours and they were gone for six months. And it was the Queen Mother who really looked after him, obviously with nannies involved as well. But yeah, I, I thought that was lovely and they showed some lovely photographs and it was just a nice moment of reflection, wasn't it? It was. And actually in in kind of like homage to the Queen Mother, I watched a documentary on her this week and I found it fascinating, especially exactly how you just mentioned that, Rach, about her relationship with Charles. Because this, the, the documentary was saying when he was in Gordonston, he actually used to go to Birkhall and see the Queen Mother um, on the weekends 
And she used to help him through that. And I think when we watch The Crown, we have this depiction of Prince Charles being on his own, completely um, away from anybody and being in this stifling experience that didn't suit him, which, you know, is true. But he also did have the support of the Queen Mother there. What I loved finding out about the Queen Mother's personality where she really did nurture people and allow them to be who they were mm. rather than trying to change them into who they should be and also supported them and I think she did that with King George VI but she also did that with Prince Charles so it was such a wonderful thing and to have the anniversary of her birth this week was just again like I say lovely and the picture there was a corgi in the picture did you see the corgi in the picture always a corgi always it's a always corgi. a corgi <laughs> speaking of the crown we had an official still released from Netflix of Amelda Staunton, who will play the Queen in the upcoming series. Ooh. What did you think of it? Every time I see Amelda Staunton, for me, she's Professor Umbridge from Harry Potter. So I find it so hard not to uh, like her straight away. So I always get that, oh my God, that's Umbridge. And then I have to just take a step back. I mean, it is a still. We haven't had any official video of her speaking or that type of thing so I mean it's the crown it's going to be great regardless isn't it I started watching the crown really late so the first two series had already been released I personally at the time didn't want to watch it because I'm a royalist I was like oh I don't know I'm not too sure about this but then obviously I fell in love with it fell in love with Claire Foy playing um the queen but then when Olivia Coleman took over I found it so difficult to get into her as the queen that I had to watch, as soon as I watched the series, I had to watch it again, like a few weeks later, because I was like, no, I've got to get over this because she's a great actress, the same probably as Imelda Staunton. But I just don't like it when they change. I get why they do it because, you know, the characters, they're getting older. But yeah, I just don't like change. I just wish it could have been Claire Foy because I just thought she was absolutely amazing and Matt Smith as well as Prince Philip. I thought those two were absolutely amazing at those roles. I couldn't agree with you more. I think Claire Foy and Matt Smith knocked it out of the park. And I think now, because we're moving towards having a representation of a queen that we know, I think it's going to be even harder for Imelda Staunton to depict a queen that we already have a preconceived idea of. So I think it was easier to love Claire Foy, if that makes sense. Yeah. Watch this space. And as we say on the podcast, the crown isn't real. Do not take it as fact. (laughs) It's an artistic representation of the monarchy. It's based on true events, but not everything is real or factually correct on that program. So I thought I'd say that because Netflix have been very, very resistant in putting a disclaimer at the start of The Crown. So I thought I'd I'd just make my own. (laughs) Yeah, and we've actually discussed this Um, going forward. We're going to do a special, aren't we, on The Crown? So we thought we'd break it down into series. And so obviously we're going to start with series one. So we need to do a rewatch before we record that. Rewatch it all again. And then we'll talk about what we thought of it. The real life versus, like you said, like the drama mm-hmm. that, that that is portrayed on the series. And um, just break it down. And we know it's not historically correct, but mm-hmm. we still love it. Yeah, of course. And it's a wonderful TV series. I find it really fascinating. The other thing I find fascinating is each episode depicts roughly a decade in time. 
So what do they choose out of that decade to pick, to talk about in, in that episode? And that's something also that I'd like to kind of go a bit more in depth with why they chose certain things over other things. Uh, okay, this week, the Princess Royal conducted investitures at St. James's Palace, and she opened the new Northwest Reserve Forces and Cadets Headquarters in Merseyside too. She heard about the reserves and the cadet training, and she sealed a time capsule we haven't got anything for a time capsule Rach we don't really get them that often though do we we don't I feel like we need like a back to the future reference or something (laughs) the Duke and Duchess of Cambridge socials have been praising the wonderful team GB athletes at the Tokyo 2020 Olympics and today we found out that two of Catherine's photographs of Stephen Frank and Yvonne Bernstein and their grandchildren taken at Buckingham Palace will be part of a new photography exhibition called Generation Portraits of Holocaust Survivors opening at the Imperial War Museum and these are contemporary uh, portraits of Holocaust survivors and their family and the exhibition is in partnership with the Holocaust Memorial Day and the Royal Photographic Society. So as usual, Michelle normally links all of the descriptions and the links below in the podcast. If you ever want to click on any of those and find out more, um, then yeah, go ahead. It opens today, actually, Rach, on the 6th of August. So I I think this might be um, a really good visit for us to go and see. What do you think? Yeah, it'll be interesting, won't it? I don't think I've ever been to the um, Imperial War Museum. So yeah, it'll be a, I don't even know where it is, like obviously in London, but I'm not sure whereabouts in London it is. Yeah, I think it's um, just just south of central so i think it's more on the bakerloo line i have to say the biggest congratulations to catherine for having two of her pictures in this exhibition and finally to finish up the royal roundup this week the queen's horse wink of an eye won the tdn australian handicap at the goodwood festival so i'm sure her majesty was very happy with that result yeah what a great way to finish the week for her majesty well done wink of an eye fantastic so that is the royal roundup for this week let's move on rage to the royal community questions for us let's do it All right, so our first question for our Royal Community Questions section, I feel like we need a little uh, yeah. a little drum roll or something, is the Royals Jet Set has asked us, will Lady Louise become a princess? Okay, so let's give you a little bit of backstory of Lady Louise. She becomes 18 on the 8th of November this year. And being the daughter of an earl, her title is Lady. But because of the King George V 1917 letters patterns, which we've talked about numerous times on the podcast, it means that because she's the granddaughter of the monarch through the male line and the daughter of a prince, she is a princess. But at the moment, she isn't styled HRH, Princess Louise. But when she turns 18, she'll actually legally be entitled to choose her own style which means she can choose to be princess. Now, what do you think though, Rach? Do you think that she will choose to become Princess Louise? No, I don't think she will. Purely because Sophie and Edward have gone on record before saying that they didn't want their children to be styled prince, princess. They could have because obviously Prince Edward is the son of the queen. But 
they they chose not to do that and I think rightfully so in the sense that Mm. Sophie has said before they want them to have a normal semi-normal air quotation marks upbringing and have normal jobs they won't carry out official engagements like say Prince William and Catherine do and they're I hate to say it but they are like lesser royals they're not in the public domain as such. I mean, obviously, when Prince Philip died, we saw a lot of Lady Louise, didn't we? Yeah, we did. But she's not going to be carrying out royal engagements just just when she turns 18. It's just not going to happen. Mm. We heard, I think a couple of episodes ago, that Sophie was on the BBC talking. She had an interview, a radio interview, and she was talking about social media and Lady Louise and that her friends tell her things, but she she tries to refrain from social media. And I think that tells you a lot about Lady Louise. I don't think she will. I don't think she will become a princess. It is her right, it's her birthright to take that style if she chooses to, to use that title as her own. Um, at the moment, it wasn't up to her whether to choose that title or not. That was up to Edward and Sophie. They decided not to. And then to, be t- uh, to give their children the titles that come with Earl and Countess of Wessex. She's very private. She's she's very reserved in, in the sense that she gets the best of both worlds. She gets to be in the royal family and she gets to have a privacy. Why change something that seems to be working for her? But she's well within her rights to take it if she fancies it. But I say she won't take it. Yeah, and I don't either. Let us know what you think. Do you think that Lady Louise will take her title or not? And let us know over on Instagram at Keeping Up With The Windsors Pod. And also comment on our podcast. Leave us a review. Share it on your socials. Please spread the word. Let's grow the royal community. Okay, the second question comes from, and I'm just going to say it the way in which it is with their Instagram handle, OCPM underscore QRO. There we are. I'll just say it that way. Does the majority of Brits support the monarchy and do the young support the monarchy also? So that's the question. Want to throw it over to you, Rach? So what's interesting about this is I was talking to my 13-year-old niece about the royals and I I was talking about Prince Charles and she went, who's that? (laughs) In her teenage voice. And I said... What do you mean, who's that? It's the future king of Blooming England. What do you mean? You don't know who Prince Charles is? She's <laughs> like, I don't know who he is. I was like, it's the Queen's son. He's, uh, he's our future king. But yet she knows who William, Catherine, George, Charlotte and Louis are. She knows all of them. And she said to me, oh, I thought I thought William was going to be king. And I was like, well, he will be king eventually, but it will be Charles first and then it will be William. And I think we, I think you said this in last week's podcast This is what's going to be difficult when Charles becomes king, as there is a disconnect between him and Camilla and the younger generation. And we can't disregard all the work that they have done in the past and continue to do. But I've got a feeling that when Charles accedes to the throne, that there'll be a dip in popularity with the monarchy until William becomes king. Yes, I I agree with you. I think it's going to be very difficult. And this harks back to when Prince Albert, the son of Queen Victoria became king when she died and there was again a dip in uh, popularity because people were so used to Queen Victoria being on the throne and I think this is going to how do I want to put it like hinder yeah I think it will hinder uh, Prince Charles's reign but also I think we have history to look back on and to see what happens but we could still have 30 years of Prince Charles as king yeah 
we could still have about 20, 25 to 30 years with Charles as king. If, if you're looking at the age that the queen is, the queen mother, she was 101 when she passed away. So we're still going to have Charles as king for quite a long time. Yeah. And like we've said, it is, it is going to be hard. And it stems back to, hate to say this, but Diana was very popular in the UK. Well, around the world. Extremely popular. When they split up and they got divorced. Well, let's let's take it back to the question. Do the young support the monarchy? So it's interesting the point you made about your niece, because that means that she's not, she's not like, let's put it this way, clued up about who's next and whatever. And I'm not expecting every single person in the whole world to know what who who's in line for succession however there was a yougov poll in 2021 on the monarchy and so what what that means is it's um an independent poll done by it's, it's kind of um, fueled by the government to see how society is and they ask them a range of different questions they asked just under five thousand people in the uk um about the monarchy and it showed the 41% of 18 to 24-year-olds now say Britain should have an elected head of state. And whilst only 31% of 18 to 24-year-olds said they would like the monarchy to continue. So actually, when you think about it, between 18 and 24, only a third of young people in 2021 in Britain believed that the monarchy should continue. So coming off the back of Prince Andrew's interview, and the Harry and Meghan um, interview with Oprah, the royal family are seen to be stale, are seen to not move with the times. And our young people need change. They need things to be different because they're not, they don't thrive within some of the stale institutions that are still going on right now. So, but the other thing is the older generation, up to 70% over 50s, love the monarchy and wanted to continue. So I think there's a real divide there between the younger generation and the older generation. And people like us, Rachel, we're in the middle and we love them. <laughs> I think I think what's interesting though, I to be honest, I never take notice of those polls because like you said, it's only about 5,000 people that they poll. So really 5,000 people compared to the how many millions live in the UK, it's not a direct... It's not representative... Yeah, it's not it's not representing the whole of the population. Mm. So if they asked every single person in the UK, it, what you're saying is it would feel a bit more credible. Yeah. To those those facts, yeah. Unfortunately, any fact you get is going to be a very small sampled um number anyway because that's just the nature of it with funding. But when I mention that I have a, a podcast on the royal family, people go, "Why?" Yeah. Why are you doing that? I didn't know you like the royal family because it's not cool to like the royal family. That's how I feel about it anyway. And then when I when I say that, oh, we've had so many people listen and they're like, really? Like people like listening about the royal family? Yeah. And you're like, um, yeah, of course. <laughs> people have careers about the royal family. There's editors and photographers making, you know, their, their bread and butter through the royal family. So because we're royalists, right? That feels weird to us that mm. people would even ask those questions. And I think I've got, you know, members of my family, my my immediate family, they support the monarchy. Like, for instance, my mum was saying the other day, like all the good work that they do, the amount of tourism, obviously pre-COVID, that they bring into the country. And but then I have other family members that are like, well, they cost too much money. Why are we spending all this money on them? I was like, yeah, but it's literally each year it's 
just over like a pound for you to pay for them so what's a pound you know (laughs) when you think of it in the big scale of things for what they provide and what they do for the country but then you're always going to have people that are for and against. It's like with anything, isn't it? It is. And I think sometimes it can be polarizing. You like the Royals, but what about Harry, Harry and Meghan? Well, I like them too. Like, can I like, it's exactly what Meghan said. You know, you don't have to hate Catherine and like me. And you don't have to hate me and like Catherine. I feel like that that's the same with the royal family. You don't have to hate them and, you know, um, look at me and think differently about me because I like them like do you see what I mean it's it's, it's one of those situations where yeah. you could not even like this generation of the royal family but love all the previous generations of the royal family oh it's mm. this question is so big and it's so like varied yeah. and layered but I think the main thing to note is I would possibly say it's probably 50 50 uh, you know there's just as many people who do not like the royal family that I speak to actually no there's more people that don't like the royal family that I speak to than like the royal family but the people who I like who I speak to that like the royal family love the royal family but then what's interesting is especially for us being British we've obviously recently been on a trip to Kensington Palace and Buckingham Palace places like that there's always people there the the queues at Kensington we were like couldn't believe how many people there were could we it was packed it was absolutely jam-packed and we were like right okay so isn't that saying something Mm. people are still intrigued even sometimes if they don't maybe agree with the monarchy they still will pay to go and visit one of the palaces and I know obviously that the part we went to was a museum but I would pay to go and see what the queen's living room looks like in real life Oh, and that's a really good, that's a really good point because on the Clarence House socials this week, on Twitter in particular, if you go on on there, there's actually a Google art and culture 3D tour. Yeah, you can go around it, can't you? Yeah. That's interesting you say that because now you can actually see Prince Charles. Well, maybe not the actual living room, but rooms within Clarence House. So that's something if you do not live in the UK or you're not visiting anytime soon. Go on there and click on the link because you get to have a lovely digital tour of Clarence House. And I think with everything that's happened with Harry and Meghan, in a way, it favoured the monarchy here in the UK. So there was that when the interview first happened, there was this whole big thing on Twitter. People were saying, oh, the monarchy should be abolished. Well, majority of those people that were writing that were not actually British. They were American. Yeah. Who had seen yeah. who had seen the interview. But I felt, even again, speaking to people that are not royalists who don't support the monarchy, you you kept you became a bit protective, especially of the Queen. Mm. I had one of my um one of my male friends at work and he was like, Oh, how could Harry do that to the Queen? How dare he? He's like, Oh, I don't like him now. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And that's like what you had, like immediately after that, you had that should the monarchy there was you know a lot of questions of should the monarchy be mm. abolished and at the time I was like oh my god what if the monarchy is abolished I was getting a bit panicked and I was like no <laughs> it's not going to be abolished <laughs> they can't abolish them they can't well they, they can obviously they can yeah, yeah they can. <laughs> I mean you've only got to look at blooming French revolution to see that's happened you know and other, yeah. other European royal families that have been dispersed over the years but yeah. I think as well What's interesting, especially about the British royal family, is that you say the Queen, everyone knows who the Queen is. I know there's like a Queen of Spain. I don't know her name, Mm. you know. 
the, yeah. when you think royal, you automatically think of the British royal family because the institution has been going. I think it's what it's one of the oldest institutions in, in the, the world. world, isn't it? Yeah. I know the question was about Britain in particular, but also it does raise questions about Australia because Australia has always been very political with um should we have a monarchy should we not have a monarchy and also then northern ireland and the troubles in northern ireland and how the monarchy became this symbol of being with the united kingdom there's a lot more going behind that uh, politically as well as whether you just like the monarchy or not so big question thank you so much for asking the big question (laughs) Um, yeah, and it's a fascinating question as well, because it's one that I think over time and whatever happens is constantly changing those views, those opinions, your politics, how you see the world that always changes as well as your opinion of whether we should have the monarchy or not and whether they're popular anymore. So she has been the mainstay. She's really have been the foundation in which we've built our, um, our culture and our society upon. And I think that possibly will crumble slightly when Prince Charles becomes king. Mm. And I think and I think you're going to really see that next year with the Jubilee, aren't you? We're having four days of celebration here in the UK. And I think you're really going to see the popularity of the monarchy really level up in that sense oh well we'll see next year Rach with the platinum jubilee celebrations we'll be there we'll be there we hope we'll be there I hope I don't die in the next year (laughs) (laughs) oh god really shut up don't say that go on touch wood don't die don't die (laughs) always the uh, realist Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. As always, you can find us at Keeping Up With The Windsor's Pod on Instagram. Lovely Rachel is going on holiday next week, so you'll find me on Instagram uh, taking over. It'll be like a nice takeover because, Rachel, you actually look after the Instagram for us, don't you? Yep, I do. So keep your questions coming in. We'll put up another sticker, but we have got a lot of questions in from you. So thank you for anyone that submitted your questions. We will be answering them in the upcoming weeks. Yeah, absolutely. So don't worry, we haven't forgotten. And uh, we'll look forward to it, actually. There's some real good corker questions, really great ones. Yeah, so with that being said, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for listening. Share the podcast um, on your socials as much as possible. Spread the word. Let anyone know that you know loves the Royal Family about our podcast. It'd be fantastic to keep uh, growing and connecting with as many people in the Royal community as possible. Thank you for listening. And we'll see you next week on Keeping Up With the Windsors. Windsors.